The following radio show takes place between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m. Events occur in fake time. Welcome back, everybody. Good evening. It is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022, and we are doing yet another edition of Simulation Radio Live, and we've got a bit of a duality on the agenda today. We've got some quite good news, and we have some quite uh, bad news, and we'll start off, of course, which is that I really hope that everybody was careful out there today. I hope you were able to and managed to somehow stay warm because, God damn, it was a gloomy one out there today. Uh, and look, we Floridians are not used to having such doom and gloom kind of weather. We're used to, uh, like, palm trees and sunshine, even when it's cold. We're not used to having it just be, hey! cold and rainy. Look, I'm not going to lie. I am a little bit of a pussy when it comes to that kind of weather. So needless to say, it was an inside day for most of the day. But I hope that everybody managed to stay safe out there, stay warm. Look, this fireplace, this big old, this big boy right here is not just for show. It is indeed, uh, it's also a heater and we're going to kind of need it tonight. So uh, I want to start off, of course, look, with the good comes a little bit of the bad as well. And unfortunately, we have some very sad, sad music. Well, sad music to accompany this very bad news. But there are two Ruckers locations that are in the Orlando area. And unfortunately... Both of them will be closing down for good. Now, I can't say that I've ever been to Fuddruckers, but I've heard it was a good time. I mean, it seems like a just a rip-roaring, uh, very fun place where you can go in and just do whatever you want. Apparently, and I only learned this from a uh, from, from the Family Guy bit, but apparently they have like this toppings bar. I don't know if they still have that today. Let me know if you've been to Fuddruckers recently before they so sadly closed down. Uh, what's what's so special about it? I mean, it's just a damn burger place, right? But I mean, I P Peter really likes it a lot, though. This is Fuddruckers. What what part of Fuddruckers don't you understand? All of it. All right, That's what I'm saying, again. Meg. You're all going to get up. Go back up to that Toppins bar and go nuts. But it tastes good like this. It's not supposed to taste good. It's supposed to look yeah, crazy. What the cool. hell are you doing? I'm cutting it. It's easier to eat. It's not supposed to be easy to eat. Half of it is supposed to fall onto your plate when you squeeze it, and the rest goes onto your shirt. 
How's everything going over here? Ah, uh, I see the appeal. See, look, now I have to be even more ridiculous to make up for what you guys aren't doing. Silverware, put them on. Salt shaker, whatever. Ice Looks soda, reasonable so far. Peter, people are staring. Yeah, they're saying, look at the creative guy. Look at King Fuddrucker over there. Usually you put a burger on a tray. This guy's putting a tray on a burger. Uh-oh. How wacky. Give me the car keys. Peter. Give me the car keys. Jesus. That's Fuddruckers. That's Fuddruckers, huh? Well, uh, unfortunately, there will no longer be a Fuddruckers in the Orlando area, as the East Colonial location and the Apopka location have reported that they will be closing down for good. It's a shame. On all of its Orlando area locations. Let's start that over. Orlando is saying goodbye to Fuddruckers. The popular burger chain restaurant has closed down all of its Orlando area locations no. for good. The restaurant's operators made that announcement yesterday. They said, quote, it was I a drive by there. decision, but it was ultimately necessary. By the way, this place, uh, and I'm not going to lie, we might be just throwing away a potential sponsor here, but there's this uh, this dental location that's right next to this Fuddruckers called Greenberg Dental and Orthodontics, and they have a couple of locations around here in the Orlando area, and I got to say, I have never seen a single person at one of these Greenberg Dental or Orthodontics locations. And I'm not saying that there's a reason for that or that it's a potentially mafia money laundering scheme that I may or may not be sued for slander for saying, but all I'm saying is that I've never seen a single person in this dental orthodontics location, which I guess would extend also to Fuddruckers that nobody is going to because it's now closed. No. They didn't give any more explanations for shutting down. They didn't even give any explanation for... Shut up, Channel 9 News. They didn't even give any explanation for why it was shutting down either. Just that, you know, we're closing both the the East Orlando, the East Colonial, and the Apopka location indefinitely. The chain owner's... Uh, the chain owner at both of the locations said it was a very difficult decision, but ultimately necessary. Why? Why was it ultimately necessary? I'm not saying that I ever would have like actually gone to Fuddruckers ever, but you know, it. I, I just wanted it to be an option. I wanted it to be an option still not saying I would do it, but you know, it, I, I just wanted it to be a place that I could think about when making a decision to go out to restaurants and then ultimately decide to never go there. It's like when you're in the car, you're thinking about where you want to go eat, where you can't really make up your mind. And maybe, uh, you know, you and your significant other are kind of going back and forth. And look, by the way, you as the man, you're supposed to be making these decisions if, you know, you're in that position. But I just wanted Fuddruckers to be on that list of potential places that you could go to, but now, sadly, it is not on that list anymore as it will be closing down. So it's a very, very sad day for burger enjoyers or Fuddruckers lovers, uh, period. I'm sorry, Peter, but we will no longer have Fuddruckers over here in the Orlando area. Now, that's not to say that they're closing permanently all of their locations because, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a national chain, but unfortunately, uh, we have to say goodbye. We have to say rest in pepperonis to a beloved, probably not beloved because I've never seen anybody there, location that served burgers. Rest in peace.
all of our dreams and wishes are now dead because I can't go to Fuddruckers anymore. All right, let's talk about this IRS story because the IRS, now, if anybody has started to file their taxes yet, and I know what you're thinking, all right, don't, don't shut the show off just yet. Don't close that podcast app because I know what you're probably anticipating, which is, oh, God, we're about to talk about taxes. Hey, hey, taxes are exciting stuff here. No, they're not. But if we've heard or if you've been keeping track of this story now, last week or the week before news broke that the IRS was testing this potential uh, selfie verification system where what you would have had to do was in order to uh, process and file your tax return, uh, some accounts or some people that were filing their taxes were getting flagged for a requirement to submit a selfie, you had to submit a facial scan to the IRS in order to get your taxes filed. And after plenty of complaints, I'm pleased to let you know that the IRS is backing away from this proposed requirement that people submit selfies to access their information on the agency website, which is absolutely terrible, by the way. Uh, apparently, I went to go check on the status of my tax return, which I filed weeks ago, and it the website doesn't fucking work at all. And uh, ooh, I've, I've already talked at length about the, uh, the woes of what's going on with tax season this year. But, you know, I'll, I'll refrain from boring everybody for too long about the about my personal filing of my taxes and instead just be glad, just be glad that you will not have to submit a selfie like we once anticipated. You know, not that current culture would not be okay with that. I mean, look, just take one of your fucking uh, Instagram selfies and just forward that right on over to the IRS. That can't have been that hard, but they are indeed uh, backing down, they say, due to a lack of resources to process this, which makes fairly uh, little sense to me. But, I mean, I guess every last ounce of IRS resources has to go towards auditing people that may or may not deserve it. But I guess that's just how things are going to go. It was not requiring that every taxpayer filing a return to submit a selfie. It was only supposedly to verify the identities of people seeking to set up an account with the IRS to see their past returns or to get information about child tax credit payments, which probably involved a lot of people this year because a lot of people did get those child tax credit payments or, you know, maybe if you're one of those people that owns a business and you're registering for an account with the IRS to maybe do quarterly filing or things like that, then that is what they would have required you to, you know, do your little old verification selfie for. Uh, because of the lack of resources, the IRS did initially contract out the identity verification to a Virginia-based company, which is where they would have submitted their photos to, and that's where the photos would have been kept. Now, one of the problems with outsourcing this information is whether it's kept safe, so that's one of the concerns that is causing the IRS to roll back on this uh, requirement, which is that, you know, people were not concerned as to whether or not it was going to be safe. The IRS did not have the resources or the manpower itself to process a lot of these selfies, which, you know, maybe that sounds like something the algorithm can take care of. Hey, easy over there. But alas, 
yes, they are indeed uh, walking back on that. So I want to get to now uh, a little bit of sports coverage. And before we uh, dive right into this Beijing Olympic story, now every year, every year before the Super Bowl, because it is indeed time. It's that time, fellas. The Super Bowl is this weekend. I would really like to know, by the way, before we uh, jump into this story, what are your Super Bowl plans, by the way? Make sure to you know leave a comment in chat. Let me know. Leave a comment on the YouTube video, on social media as well, which is indeed at simulation radio on everything you got any fun plans for the super bowl this weekend or are you just gonna uh you know maybe kind of sit around and check it out and enjoy it casually i talked to my dad today and apparently what he's doing him and his girlfriend are doing are just kind of they're probably just gonna sit around because it is a sunday night and we heard the story about that high school kid that was petitioning to have the super bowl moved to saturday instead of sunday but Alas, since it is Sunday night, I imagine that a healthy amount of people will probably just be casually sitting around and watching it and maybe having a couple drinks and some good old Super Bowl snacks. But a lifelong tradition, at least as long as this video game has been out, you know, the Madden games, right? And what happens every year before the Super Bowl is they run a simulation in the Madden game to help predict the winner of the Super Bowl. And apparently this prediction has a very, very uh, large or a high win rate on predicting these uh, predictions. Apparently they have been right more often than not since they were first ran in 2004 and they even remember the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks they even perfectly predicted that game all the way down to the score and that happened of course again this year where we have the Los Angeles Rams and we have the Cincinnati Bengals and what better way to predict who is going to win the ultimate game of football by running it through the video game and Madden NFL 2022 has made their official prediction they are predicting that the Cincinnati Bengals will take their first Super Bowl despite not having the home field advantage and it predicted that they will beat the Los Angeles Rams by a score of 24 to 21 that seems like a close game that seems like it could be very entertaining all around I'm very much looking forward to watching it this year and we'll see how it does end up now of course the Super Bowl predicted that or the Super Bowl predicted like the Super Bowl's a person but the Madden NFL 2022 game has predicted not the 2002 version but uh, whatever version was out at the time did have a very high win rate of prediction in the Super Bowl. So we'll see whether or not the uh, Madden simulation, because that's what it all is. It's all a simulation, fellas. We'll see whether or not that ends up becoming a reality. I think that uh, since we have a lot of Olympics coverage to get to tonight, that what we're going to do is let me get to this story real quick and then we'll take a break and then we'll we'll ram jam 
we'll smash all of the Olympics coverage directly into the second segment. That way we can keep uh, a very close and watchful eye on what's going on with the Olympics because, look, it's important stuff and everybody cares now greater than ever because the U.S. is just wrecked. It's... I was trying to find a careful way to say that, but uh, we've got no, we've got no gold medals. I'll just out with it. We, we've got zero, and I'm sure that people care now more than ever about this. And I, first of all, we uh, did a story last week on the very interesting show that we'll uh, get to in just a moment, but. Uh, I want to talk about the delivery drivers issue that we were having last week. Now, I put the question out there on the very interesting show on Thursday as to whether or not delivery drivers uh, secretly hated each other. And I still want to hear you guys as a reaction to that. So as always, please be sure to leave a comment. Do you hate other delivery drivers from other uh, companies? Well, if you do and more importantly, uh, if you don't, you will have a greater way to flex on them soon enough. If at least you are a delivery driver at the USPS, because they are showing off their new vehicles. Now, this reminds me, and the reason that this story uh, caught my interest was because I used to drive these vehicles. I used to be one of those delivery people for the USPS. Now, they used to drive, if you see all of the common mail trucks out there right now, the ones that are driving up to your mailbox directly, if you have one of those ones that are in front of your house, uh, those are called long-life vehicles. They were developed by by a company named Grumman, and they went out of production in 1994. So imagine that. They stopped producing those vehicles in 94, and I'm talking about the really old-looking ones, not the big old uh, utility vans that they have now that a couple of routes use, but in 1994 is when those vehicles stopped production, and they're still being used to this day in the great year 2022, and they only have 8.6 miles per gallon in fuel efficiency. Now, the Postal Service is getting some heat for their contract that they awarded Oshkosh Defense of $482 million as an initial investment to assemble between $50,000 and $165,000 next-generation delivery vehicles. So the mail trucks, the box-shaped ones that are out there right now, the ones driving right up to your mailbox, those are called LLVs. Those are their long-life vehicles is what they're short for. And I'm not going to lie here, next-generation delivery vehicle it just doesn't have the same ring to it. NGDV, that ugh, that just does not roll off the tongue very well. And there's another thing that is wrong with it that the EPA is criticizing them for, which is their lack of fuel efficiency. And they, these new vehicles, are only expected to achieve just a step up. I said 8.6 earlier, but 8.6 miles per gallon is actually what the new vehicles are going to get versus the old LLVs, long life vehicles that are going to have a miles per gallon ratio of, or that had a miles per gallon efficiency of 8.2. 
So that's a huge step up, I think, you know, from 8.2 miles per gallon to 8.6 miles per gallon. That is fucking, that's big. That's big technology, man. It's actually not because the EPA is giving them tons of shit about it. They're concerned that the new vehicles the Postal Service proposes to acquire do not make meaningful progress in reducing reducing the Postal Service's greenhouse gas emissions as well as oil consumption. And here I'll show you guys a picture of some of these vehicles, too, because they look uh, they have the classic uh mail truck feel of driving on the right side which was always weird by the way it was always weird as shit getting into one of those long life vehicles where you drive on the right side or you know kind of like the vehicles in europe where you drive on the right side of the vehicle and of course you pull up to a mailbox it lets you adequately get your hand out there put the mail in the mailbox and then move on with your day and ultimately your fucking life but these maintain that tradition of the long life vehicles of still having the driver on the right side. They're still just as boxy. You know, they're not quite as bad as well. Actually, they are as bad. They're worse than Kia Souls, which I re- still don't understand how anybody drives a fucking Kia Soul. Like you're driving. You're literally driving a toaster. But that that's neither here nor there. Now, the EPA is giving the the USPS shit for the lack of fuel efficiency in this vehicle. But Postmaster General Louis DeJoy defended the Postal Service's plan today with uh, a statement saying that they need the USPS needs to balance its commitment to an electric fleet with our dire financial conditions. So what he's coming out and saying is that, yeah, sure. We would love to put uh, more fuel efficient and greener vehicles out there, but we we can't we can't afford it, man. We are in dire fucking straits, so we have got to be the most financially efficient that we could possibly be, and it just so happens that that financial efficiency is tied to uh, just shittier vehicles. <laughs> At a board meeting on Tuesday. Uh, the Postmaster General said the USPS is conducting an environmental review of its plan, which includes an initial order of 5,000 electric vehicles in accordance with the Policy Act. So they're they're trying, but supposedly they are in such a bad financial situation that they have to go with efficiency rather than, uh, you know, environmental friendliness. But the thing about that is that Who knows how long these new generation of vehicles are going to last. After all, from the current trucks that we have now, they stopped development in 1994, which means that they've had them for upwards, we're going on near 30 years, almost 30 years of having these vehicles. So what's going to happen with these vehicles? If once they stop production on these, are we going to be stuck with these vehicles for another 30 years? Again, I know uh, a lot of postal deliver- delivery people listen to the show. So uh, let me know. Like, send me a message on social media or just leave a comment in the YouTube video or however you want to get into contact. You can also text or leave a voicemail to 407 796 2334. If you've got some insider knowledge about this, then uh, let me know because God knows I have been completely, completely disconnected from the postal service world and yet somehow i still cannot help 
but be wrangled back into it on the occasion. I haven't worked there for three fucking years, and yet still uh, some carry, uh, like carriers that I'll see on the street as I'm walking by will still try to talk to me as if I still work there. But we're not, not in that life anymore, man. So we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we will get to all of the Beijing Olympics coverage because there's a lot, a lot going on. We've got a potential cheating scandal. We've got a booth that could be allowing these Olympic athletes to reach peak physical performance. And you may not like it, but this is what peak physical performance will look like. We've also got a referee getting slammed in the fucking face by a hockey stick. We've got Olympians crying and tearing up on social media about potential poor living conditions. And then, of course, we've got the United States of America at a grand count of zero, count them zero, big old goose egg of gold medals. So we've got quite a bit to dive into on the Olympics front, and we will do that, of course when we come back so stay tuned simulation radio to Olympic coverage in just a moment, but as I was scrolling through our list of fine, fine news stories to talk about today, I could not help but notice that I've got to pay off a story from yesterday because I can't leave this stone left unturned. And while yesterday's show was kind of kind of sexy themed, and we did talk about for quite a while that new uh, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee documentary. The show kind of spiraled completely out of control from there when, you know, everything just became some sort of sexual reference. But of course, we got to bring it back just a little bit because I cannot just not pay this story off because there could be a pill in the pipeline, in development, that is a result of this scientific study that came out in the Endocrine Society's Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. Hey, hey, wake up. This is sex we're talking about here. This is exciting stuff. It found that men with hypersexual disorder have a significantly higher level of oxytocin in their system. Now, if anybody has read any studies or has done like any sort of research, oxytocin is basically the love hormone. It's the thing that like gets you high on life when you feel like you're in love or when you're like sexually attracted to somebody. And the new study that came out suggested that there could be a pill 
coming down in the pipeline that would reduce uh, oxytocin levels. Now, this hormone oxytocin is also responsible for increasing levels of relaxation and trust you know how sometimes when you feel like when you're with somebody that you really like or that you love even uh your feelings of your inhibitions will be washed away kind of like being drunk a little bit you know or also you could equate it to just being horny that's another thing that happens too when you're like that is your inhibitions will fall away you'll gain increased levels of relaxation and trust and this is quite common and excessively high oxytocin level is quite common in men in particular with a hypersexual disorder and one of the things that these scientists claim these men do are you know high levels of cheating and things like that and it's kind of being marketed as an anti-cheating pill because i'm not gonna lie that is an excuse a lot of the time for guys that end up cheating on their girlfriends it's you know uh, look i'm just horny i have a sexual disorder that which is just code for i'm extra horny and i just want to fuck other girls that it's kind of what that means. But uh, that level of oxytocin in their brain supposedly is what plays an important role in sex addiction. And, you know, ladies, you've probably heard this before that, you know, your boyfriend that cheated on you is uh, is a sex addict and they may be potential targets for a future drug or a ph pharma pharmacological treatment, according to the authors of the study in addition the levels of oxytocin in men with hypersexual disorder significantly reduced after they underwent cognitive behavioral therapy so it's not just a pill that could be in the pipeline that's being developed as we speak at this very moment that'll make you less horny but also cognitive behavioral therapy is a thing that helps the study which is ex which examined 64 men with hypersexual disorder and 38 men with ordinary levels of sexual interest in and arousal found that too much of the hormone could be a bad thing and of course this goes back to researchers finding significant positive correlations between oxytocin levels and the rating scales measuring hypersexual behavior so essentially what happens is uh they measure oxytocin levels and then they put those data points along the same line of hypersexual behavior scales which i guess have been predefined already and is not quite made clear by the study at least i would imagine requires being an expert in the field or you know whatnot i can't imagine being an expert in the sexual uh science field sounds like an okay time although i'm not gonna lie i would totally totally be down you know that feeling that you get the that feeling commonly known as a post nut guilt or post nut clarity as one would call it that feeling of you know directly after orgasm feeling like you know you've got a clear head and you can tackle all of the things in your life I would be so fucking down, and I'm not saying that that's what this pill specifically is going to be, but I would be ridiculously down with uh, a pill that just so happened to magically 
and scientifically by reducing your oxytocin levels, uh, put you in a post-nut clarity situation, I would be so fucking down for that pill because the amount of, like, the amount of good ideas or the amount of, like, uh, motivation or, like, wow, this feels pretty good right now that happens during that that kind of chemical interaction in your brain sounds great that sounds like it would be way easier to lead a much more productive life when you're just not like high on oxytocin levels aka horny and just kind of wanting to fuck uh when you're not on those levels all the time so it sounds like a great idea honestly or uh what it will more likely be used as is just a potential pharmaceutical treatment that therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy will kind of help you out with so we'll see what ends up uh being developed as a result of this study that just came out recently but it did appear to confirm that sex addiction can also be successfully treated without the use of pharmaceuticals but of course we all know the pharmaceutical industry fellas just because something that can be treated Without pharmaceuticals does not mean that there will not be pharmaceuticals to help treat it at some point. Because, look, this is the United States of America, baby. And what better thing do we do than make drugs for things that we might not necessarily have to make drugs for? Despite the fact that I would totally be down to take that if that just induced a permanent state of post-nut clarity. Sign me up. But. Or not. We'll see. Uh, while sex, sex addiction is not recognized as a mental disorder by the American Psychiatric Association, compulsive sex behavior was included in the World Health Organization's International Classifications of Diseases list for the first time as early as a couple years ago in 2018. So I will continue to follow this story because, look, I have a vested personal interest in wanting to achieve post-nut clarity at all times, 24-7, and that does come with the trade-off of, you know, does that mean that you're not going to want to do the thing anymore? Possibly, but, you know, there's solutions to that. You could just stop stop taking the pills for a little while. I, I'm not saying that it's the perfect solution, but then again, pharmaceuticals rarely offer uh, perfect, perfect solutions. So, all right, let's get to some of this uh, good old-fashioned Olympic coverage because the Beijing Olympics are happening right now. The 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, China. And as we check our good old fashioned medal count here, let's I'll take a look at this with you guys and scroll down a little bit. We've got Sweden at number one. They've got four gold medals. They're doing quite okay on their medal count with four of them. Then, rounding out the top 10, we've got Netherlands, China, Germany, Norway, Italy, Russia, which is ROC. That's what Russia is known as now due to their past Olympic scandals. And Austria, because there's a tie for third place. Slovenia and France rounding out the top 10 with each having a count of gold medals of at least one of them. And then we go... Let's just scroll down the list here. We go through 11, 12, 13, 14, tied for 15. And then, oh, right here in 17th place with a grand zero goose egg, count them zero count of gold medals. We have got the good old United States of America, fellas, with zero. 
We've got four silvers, though. We're doing okay on the silver medal count. In fact, we are tied for the most amount of silver medals with Italy and France at four. And then we've got one bronze medal, putting us at five total. Now, I'm not going to lie. I have not watched a single ounce of the Olympics this year so far. And I'm actually, I'm usually a fan of the Winter Olympics. There's a lot of cool, like really cool events, like the bobsledding thing, skiing stuff, uh, curling in particular. Oh God, I love curling. In fact, uh, when I went to Colorado, me and my friend that lives up there, one of my best friends since high school, we enjoyed curling so much. We had a memory of uh, in high school staying up all night watching the Winter Olympics. And I don't exactly remember where. This was in uh, 2010, I believe, where the, the Winter Olympics were going on. And that was when, at least me personally, my affiliation and my affinity for uh, curling in particular came to the forefront. And while I was over there a couple of years ago, Apparently, in Colorado, and this was in around February, too, so this was smack dab of cold season, uh, we found a curling center that you could go and do some curling at. And obviously, you know, it seems like one of those elite sports where the difference between watching it on TV and actually getting out there and going to play it would be quite big. It's not a it's not a pickup player sport like for instance uh soccer is, which is why it's so popular throughout the world. Curling is something that you got to you got to go to a place, you got to find ice, you got to get these stupid ass fucking curling rocks that must I'm sure according to uh like regulations be the same size same weight all of that good stuff and it's a little bit hard to just pick up and play curling but we found a place we went over there and my god by the way i was like 50 pounds heavier than i am now when we were doing this and it was a shit show man i my my friend had a great time because he was able to actually do the curling thing and it is a lot harder to do curling than it actually looks. Even with, uh, you don't have to wear skates either, by the way. You just put this little rubber thing on the bottom of your shoes so that you don't like totally slide around in the ice. I couldn't even get the brooming right. Like, I was like, you have to walk sideways to do the brooming thing where you sweep all the little dusty particles, the little ice particles in front of the curling rock. That way the curling rock gets to where it's supposed to land easier and i had a hard time with that i had a hard time like fucking walking sideways and just brooming the ice and the biggest challenge was actually when you got to you know just let off the curling rock because despite how curling has kind of gotten a little bit more popular virally at least uh i seeing that it's getting a little bit more popular probably just because of memes this is one of those situations where just memes make everything more popular but it's hard if you've never tried it i totally recommend going to do it and i would love to give it another try again now that i kind of know what it feels like but you have to bend down in a very specific way like you know like how you see on tv where you line up the curling thing and by the way Getting in that pose and staying in that pose is ridiculously, ridiculously hard. I like 
my body just naturally wanted to stand up or it wanted to like have my legs collapse on themselves and fall down and just let the rock go. And it does indeed take a lot more skill than it looks like. So at the very least, if there's one thing that I'll be following as the Olympics continue to press on from February 4th through the 20th, nice is I'll see if I can get some uh, curling action in. But there has been plenty of action in the meantime, in the couple days that the Olympics have at least been going on. And we start off, of course, with the controversy that Chinese speed skaters are undergoing. And not just the whole group of Chinese speed skaters, but this one particular Chinese speed skater is undergoing controversy because she appeared to flick a marker underneath the skate of her Canadian opponent during a figure skating competition or during some sort of skating competition. And I will show you guys the footage of this so that you can make the judgment for yourself. And this is being claimed as potential sabotage by everybody that has seen the clip and by viral news media. And of course, uh, as I show this to you, I will let you guys be the judge judges here. So put on your detective caps in the video. The athlete Kexen fan. Sure, maybe I got that right. Maybe I didn't. Who fucking knows? Age 28 can be seen reaching over the leg of another competitor as a marker is flicked towards the left skate of 23 year old athlete Allison Charles of Canada, who then proceeds to fall over. And I would imagine you do not have any healthy chance of winning the competition at all after that. I mean, you fall over, it's you're fucking done. It, it's over. One user commented, this is some slick shit. It took me like 10 watches to figure out what happened, leading the Olympics media to bring the question of was this sabotage or was it incidental contact? The slow motion replay from this morning's short track speed skating event does look suspect, according to a couple of other users on social media. Now, this was during the women's 500 meter short track speed skating quarterfinals at the Capitol Indoor Stadium, which was the first race of the night. And I have this footage for you here, folks. And let's analyze this. We might have to watch this one a couple of times and I will go over it with you, and we'll let's see exactly what happened here. So these are the Canadian figure skaters. One, her, right here. All right, let's get to it again. You see these tracks that are these little rubber cone-looking things that are supposedly on the ice to help guide the figure skaters they're kind of like cones on a racetrack right because it's not just this one that was on there it would be one thing and this is what makes me a little bit suspicious of whether or not this was actually any sort of cheating or foul play but there's a situation here where you see these Canadian figure skaters doing their routine or whatever the hell it is that they're doing I don't know figure skating at all where you see them doing the thing, and it's not just this one that the Canadian athlete fell into, but there are others on the ice rink. So that leads me to believe that, you know, was this particular one misplaced? A couple of questions have to be asked here, which is that was this one little cone-looking rubber thing 
uh, misplaced and put in that specific location just to sabotage her? Or was, you know, was this at the fault of the Canadian skating team? Unfortunately, there's no audio, so it's kind of hard to get the reaction to this. See, you see there are other ones over there, and... Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. It does indeed, as the social media users uh, note, take a couple of tries to uh, really get to. So right here, this this figure skater right here, it looks like this is one of the, the Chinese figure skaters. She has, look, she has it in her hand right there, and then she kind of flings it a little bit in front of her onto this Canadian figure skater. And look, let's... Uh, Pay attention to this woman's hand right here as she flings it right into her. Then it catches her skate. She goes tumbling down, and such is the end of the 500-meter uh, Canadian woman's whatever the hell this short track speed skating. So let me know what you think about this. Do you think that this is worth a controversy? What do you think the proper uh, punishment should be here? Do you think that they that this athlete should be penalized? How should she be penalized? Do you think that, you know, maybe she should just be eliminated from the competition? Uh, there are a lot of different ways to potentially tackle this this incident so i want to know what you think be sure to leave a comment uh in the comment section below in the youtube video or be sure to follow uh at simulation radio on all of the social medias let me know what your take is on this footage do you think that there was some foul play here because now that you've looked at it a couple times it does seem pretty clear that there is at least some some sort of foul play here now, there are, of course, referees in some of the Olympic events because a lot of them, like, for instance, figure skating, uh, cannot be judged solely on the numerical value alone. There have to be judges that judge the form and the physical appearance. Well, maybe not the physical, not the physical appearance of the athletes, but the form, the technique, all of that good stuff. And there are referees, of course, for other more extreme games, like, for instance, hockey. And there was a ref that was bloodied by a hockey stick in the middle of Monday night's Olympic women's hockey game between the U.S. and Canada. And, of course, the U.S. got fucking smashed 4-2. to and this incident occurred early in the second period where forward Amanda Kessel accidentally struck the official in the face with her stick while skating behind Canada's gold net. And of course, what reason would I have for talking about this story if we didn't have the footage? So this one, fortunately, there is audio for. So check it out. Let me know how bad this sounds. I haven't seen the raw footage yet. I've only seen the aftermath of the referee taking that big old towel, putting it right up to her nose and just, oh, no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. But she did continue to referee the game afterwards. Like, I respect the passion, man. I respect the dedication of getting back in there on the rink to 
judge the hockey game. Now, let's check out this footage and see the uh, the viral moment here. Far side for Kessel. Moves it back out to the left point. Colored across to Harvin. Redirect. Turn to All right. Here's the referee right here. You're getting a stick on it. And now Damien covers up. We got to keep our eye on the referee. We'll get there. It's a minute and a half long clip. Okay, so first of all, I guess we'll we'll get there at some point, but I really like hockey. Hockey is one of the most exciting sports, I think, in the Winter Olympics besides uh, curling because there's some there's some real fucking action here, and it's brutal, and especially when you see incidents like uh, getting smashed in the face with a hockey stick. Look, anything can happen, man. That's, that's how it goes. Look at this guy doing the... Ah, there we go. Now he knows the camera's on him, so the mask better come right back up over his nose. Mask theater. Did we not get to see it? This is the footage of her after getting hit, which looks pretty bad, man. All right, we... Do we see what happened here? I don't care about the score, man. I just want to see the referee get fucking pelted in the face. Oh, here we go. Oh, no fucking way. Oh, and that was right below her mask, too, because the helmets, not mask, but the helmets have a visor right where their eyes are, like this little glass visor that comes down, that comes right down just a little bit to protect just their eyes, and then doesn't appear to reach the bottom half of their face. And so I'll well, I'll show this to you, or I'll play this for you again, but the hockey puck, almost like a fucking scythe, just gets swung right behind this athlete and just clips the referee directly in the face. Oh, oh, that looked so damn bad. Ooh. She's taking it like a champ, though, the referee. The most admirable part about this is that she gets right back there. She fixes up her nose, wipes the blood off, and then, yeah, she gets right fucking back out there on the hockey rink to finish officiating the game after receiving medical attention. So, uh, crazy stuff. If you couldn't tell, hockey is a brutal-ass sport. You know, even the women playing it, they can get fucking brutal sometimes, too. I mean, we've seen men's hockey, like devolve into fucking dog piles where they'll all just pile on top of each other and maybe all get penalized from the game. But look, women can be just as brutal too. I mean, you've seen it in action right here. I mean, sure it was an accident and definitely not done on purpose, but I mean, you can see the brutality of the game of hockey right here in that very clip. And that, look, that makes me love it. It makes me love hockey. And it honestly, this news story this controversy might have been what convinces me to watch more hockey. Now, of course, the Olympians need somewhere to stay over there in Beijing. Now, we've seen uh, viral photos, or at least viral photos came out today, of this dystopian landscape that the Beijing Olympics are being held at, and that is leading some people, some Olympians, to question 
the living conditions over there. They're reportedly in tears over some poor living conditions and lack of food at the Beijing Olympic Games. There are complaints from athletes and officials coming in about poor living conditions, dining options, isolating rooms, and debilitating weather conditions, according to social media posts, particularly German alpine skiing coach uh, Christian Schwega. All right, I think, I think that pronunciation went okay. Criticized the catering in Beijing and raised concerns about limited food options to fuel the high-performing pro athletes. Because, look, they need a lot of food, man. They're Olympic athletes performing at peak physical performance. And, you know, they need some hot meals, man. Supposedly, all they're getting are some crisps, some nuts and chocolate, and nothing else. So they're getting some chocolate, which does not seem like a good idea. Nuts and potato chips. That that doesn't seem like it's enough to fully uh, satisfy a lot of these Olympic athletes. Like, they got to eat, man. They need their fucking energy. Team USA, though, if there's one thing that the USA is doing that's not winning medals, we did come prepared and brought extra food to the Olympic Games, including bags of pasta. All right, sure. You got to maybe car- carbo load before the big game. Uh Oh, here's a picture from the New York Post. Uh, this is a food station of the Winter Games in Beijing. That, that doesn't look like a lot of options. Look, we got sandwiches. We've got what look like some fruits there. Uh, one of the big complaints is that no hot meals are being served. So what do you think about this? Is this uh, inhumane treatment? of the Olympic athletes. Now, one Olympic athlete, Kimmy Lehmans, has taken to social media to complain about her conditions and being treated this way at the Winter Olympics. Let's hear some of her tears. Hi, everybody. Um, Some of you have read the good news that I was uh, sent out of the isolation facility. We thought... This meant I was allowed to return to the Olympic Village. And we'll- now, some of the athletes, I failed to mention in the story so far, that a lot of the athletes are also complaining about uh, COVID conditions as well and some of the isolation isolation treatments that they're getting. And it's reducing some of them to tears. And it's forcing them to go on social media to post their outrage about that. So we'll hear this Olympic athlete's testimony, and I want to know what you think. Do you think that, you know, this is a little bit whiny, or do you think that these are some valid complaints that she's bringing up? Maximum as a close contact. Um, That's a close contact. Uh, we did not turn Don't to sue the me. village. But the ambulance went to another facility where I am now. Oh no. My NOC got surprised by this decision as well. No! I'm supposed to stay here. I must stay here. Uh, Another seven days with two PCRs a day. No contact with anyone else. 
So she is being put in uh, isolation for seven days and being forced into no contact with everybody else because, of course, the uh, the COVID-19 restrictions that are going on in Beijing, which don't really seem to be accomplishing much of anything besides being a pain in the ass and getting in the way. Now, she did test positive this athlete for COVID-19 when she arrived and later tested negative when she thought she was being transported to return to the Olympic village. She was instead taken by ambulance to another isolation destination. And the head of the German delegation called the hotel accommodations unreasonable while expressing concern about the isolation conditions for the, uh, the three time Nordic gold medalist who was placed into quarantine after testing positive for, uh, COVID-19. So, she tested negative at first, then, or she tested positive at first, and then later tested negative, but was still being placed into isolation. And this is the gist of what her social media post was getting into, were the inhumane conditions in this isolation. She also gives accounts like uh, sitting in the ambulance at 3 a.m., not knowing what was going on, not feeling safe. Uh, being told at midnight by Chinese officials that she could go out and then five minutes later that she could not and a whole bunch of political things that may be involved here. So let me know what you think. Do you think her testimony was moving at all? Do you think it's just kind of whiny as suck it up? This is what happens with COVID and, you know, we, we got to protect everybody at this point still. It, it's a little bit hard to say. So after hearing her testimony that we just heard, let me know what you think about some of these uh, conditions that supposedly are going on here in China. Do you think that that food setup looks sustainable at all? Because I'm not going to lie. I do agree. Maybe they should could be serving some hot meals. These Olympians do deserve proper sustenance. And do you think that these COVID restrictions that they have over there that were recounted by this athlete, do you think that they're a little bit uh, draconian? So a lot of stuff to unpack here, so be sure to let me know what you think about some of this, especially given uh, what has already come out here. So let me know what you think, leave a comment, and we'll, of course, uh, chat about it as time goes on. Now, finally, journalists, because, of course, we've got to think about the journalists here and not the athletes at all. Now, while the athletes are getting treatment like the previous one described, what better way to really understand what's going on at the Olympics than to find out how the journalists are being treated. And they are getting these experimental sleep rest cabins. They can grab high-tech naps, according to the New York Post. While they cannot visit the village rooms where the competitors are staying, they can try out high-tech beds that athletes are sleeping in as well. So they're at least giving these to the athletes in addition to the journalist. Several corridors at the main media center are lined with sleep rest cabins, which are small pods that open with a QR code and contain beds. The beds can be adjusted by remote control and even have a zero gravity mode meant to reduce stress on the body. And while you don't float, it's supposedly uh, fairly comfortable. Some journalists snap in them while others search for a private, quiet place to write. Maybe there are articles that they're supposed to be writing about. Uh, let's let's take a look at some of these some of these sleeping pods here. They're high tech. They got zero gravity. They can even get a massage too somehow. 
So far, this just seems like a regular remote-controlled bed. A few dozen people use them each day, though some prefer to use them as a private... Jesus Christ, as a workspace. This, the woman that's talking now, their job, she's talking about her job during this period is to clean, disinfect the cabins regularly and assist journalists on using them. So, uh, officials in Beijing have people that are specifically tasked to work these pods and to help the international journalists that are in Beijing, uh, which there are not a lot of, by the way. Most TV coverages are going on from here in the States or wherever the coverage is based out of between different countries. So these high-tech cabins, they look fairly impressive. I don't know what it is, man. They look somewhat impressive, and they also don't really look all that impressive at the same time. I haven't really made up my mind yet. So uh, once you take a look at these, let me know what you think about uh, these cabins. Do you think they're any bit impressive at all? Because I don't know. I don't know if I'm convinced or not on this yet. This very much resembles to a psychiatric ward, you know, in a de dedicated hospital. Since uh, being here in this uh, huge bubble, this so they got a lot of lights on them. Loop has had, uh, I would say, much of an impact on my own psychological problems, I would rather avoid entering there. Uh, he's saying that he wants to avoid the cabins out of fear of, you know, maybe surfacing some psychological problems. Uh, he said the pods, this is an Italian journalist, by the way, the pods reminded him of something you might find in a psychiatric ward, which, all right, I, I could kind of see that comparison there. So... Uh, we will, of course, continue to follow the Olympics as more interesting stories come up. Look, I heard on the radio today just basically a complete recap of everything that's going on. And I, look, I, I just don't care, man. If interesting and spicy stories come up like the ones that we talked about today, of course, you bet your sweet ass that we will continue to cover them. But for the time being... Uh, we'll get to them as they come up, and we'll see what everybody thinks about all of the interesting stuff that's going on over there in Beijing. A lot of interesting, a lot of controversial, and we will continue to uh, get all of it as it comes in and as it uh, reaches the pipeline of interestingness. So thank you all for listening to the show. Of course, if you are listening to the YouTube video, or the podcast, then you can, of course, listen to Simulation Radio Live uh, live every Monday and Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. It is at Simulation Radio or slash Simulation Radio because those are URLs on all of those platforms. Be sure to press that follow button, subscribe, do what you got to do so that you can join us along live every single day. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you sexy motherfuckers out there. That'll wrap it up. Uh, I will see everybody on Thursday evening at 9 p.m. for the very interesting show live with all of the crew returning once again. Good night, everybody.
sudden I'll remember you all in therapy.